0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today Christ leaves us with a very important commandment. At the very end of this passage, he says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And so there's a commandment in the middle of that verse. Be of good cheer. Not just some advice or a suggestion, but a commandment. It's an instruction. We are commanded to be of good cheer. We are commanded to be glad, to rejoice, to have this cheer as Christians. And it's not easy to always be joyful and glad in life because we have struggles, we we suffer, we have so many afflictions in our life, but this is a commandment that Christ gives us today. It's an obligation. We're obligated to walk through life with cheer and gladness. And so this isn't just something to do on our good days. This isn't just something to do when life is going well, right? This is something to do at all times. In Philippians 4, verse 4, St. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Again, I will say, rejoice. Not just when life is going well, not just when everything is going your way, But always, and when did St. Paul write this? While he was in prison. Philippians is the most joyful letter out of all of the letters in the scriptures. The word joy repeats in this letter more than any other letter. Sixteen times the the word joy or a derivative of that word occurs in this epistle. Rejoice or joy or be joyful. Sixteen times, more than any other epistle. And trust me, St. Paul wasn't laying on the beach sipping margaritas. He was (laughs) suffering in prison. And he's telling us, rejoice. While he's in pain, while he's isolated, while he's alone, while he's afflicted, all of that didn't change his mindset, didn't change his attitude. He had an attitude of joy despite all of that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. James 1 verse 2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Not after you succeed or not after you make it through the trial, not after you figure it all out, but when you fall into the trial, during the trial, count it all joy. As soon as you're suffering, as soon as you're tried, as soon as you're afflicted, count it all joy. Not after you're victorious from the trial, but during the trial. When you're in the trial, count it all joy. Father Seraphim Rose says, you must learn to suffer and bear, but don't view this as something endless and dreary. Here you're wrong. God sends many consolations, and you'll know them again. You must learn to find joy in the midst of increasing doses of sorrow. Thus, you can save your soul and help others. You must learn to find joy in the midst of increasing doses of sorrow. Thus, you can save your soul and help others. Okay, so how do we do that? How can we rejoice while we're suffering and while we're afflicted and while we're really struggling in life? So there's a lot to say about this path to joy and how we can achieve this mindset of gladness and cheer. It comes through prayer. It comes through serious intentional effort. We have to choose joy. It's not just something that happens by chance. It comes through reflecting on the lives of the saints. It comes through so many different avenues. But there is one way that supersedes them all. There is one way that is above every other way. And that's the way of humility. And so, I'll share with you a story that highlights this. So there was a pastor, his name is Richard Wormbrand, and uh, he was imprisoned in the Soviet camps. And he wrote a book about his experience called Tortured for Christ. And he talks about some of the people that he met in this prison camp. And so, This passage here is when he encountered a certain priest that was tossed in the prison while he was already there. Again, so this is what he writes about his experience in meeting this priest. This priest that was just imprisoned along with him as well. Again, if you know anything about the Soviet prison camps, they were as bad as it gets. Okay, so this is what he says about the moment he met this man. It says the first man was a priest who was put in jail at the age of 70. His name was Siriano. When he was brought in with his big white beard, some officers at the gate of the jail mocked him. One asked, Why did they bring this old priest here? And another replied with a jeer, Probably to take the confessions of everybody. Those were his exact words. The priest had a son who had died in a Soviet jail. His daughter was sentenced to 20 years. Two of his sons-in-law were with him in jail, one with him in the same cell. His grandchildren had no food. They were forced to eat from the garbage. His whole family was destroyed. He had lost his church, but this man had such a shining face. There was always a beautiful smile on his lips. He never greeted anyone with good morning or good evening, but instead with the words, always rejoice. One day we asked him, Father, how can you say always rejoice, you who pass through such a terrible tragedy? He said, rejoicing is very easy if we fulfill at least one word from the Bible. It's written, rejoice with all those who rejoice. Now, if one rejoices with all those who rejoice, he always has plenty of motivation for rejoicing. I sit in jail and I rejoice that so many are free. I don't go to church, but I rejoice with all those who are in church. I can't take Holy Communion, but I rejoice about all those who take. I can't read the Bible or any other holy book, but I rejoice with those who do. I can't see flowers. We never saw a tree or a flower during those years. We were under the earth in a subterranean prison. We never saw the sun, the moon, the stars. Many times we forgot these things existed. We never saw colors, only the gray walls of the cell and our gray uniforms. But we knew that such a world existed, a world with multicolored butterflies and rainbows. But I can rejoice with those who see the rainbows and multicolored butterflies. In prison, the smell was not very good, but the priest said, others have the perfume of flowers around them, girls wearing perfume, and others have picnics, and others have their families of children around them. I can't see my children, but others have children. And he who can rejoice with all those who rejoice can always rejoice. I can always be glad. That's why he had such a beautiful expression on his face. Now, that sounds surreal for a man to live in these conditions, to go through what he went through, and to still have this spirit of gladness, this spirit of cheer, a bright and shining face of joy. And you got to wonder how. How is it that he's able to reflect on all the people out there who have what was taken from him but still rejoices in that? Now, when somebody has what we lost, we're often tempted to to be bitter about it. Like, we may even resent that. You know, I'm in prison while everybody out there is free. My family's gone. Everybody has their family around them. I'm starving while people have food. Now, for most of us, that's not a reason to rejoice. That's a reason to complain and grumble. But for this man, it was his source of joy. For this man... It was the reason to rejoice. And I have to say that unless the heart of your life is about humility, it's impossible to walk through life with this attitude. Because for this priest, his life wasn't all about him. For this priest, he wasn't concerned about his own needs And wasn't consumed with his own affairs or just focusing on his own pain and suffering. He was so humble that he looked beyond his own mess. He looked beyond his own pain and saw the joy that others are experiencing. And he made that his very own joy. It's absolute self-forgetfulness. It's absolute humility. That it's not about me. It's not about what I'm going through. There's more to life than me, and I'm not the center of this world. So when I realize that, then I can notice what others have and rejoice in that, and be glad for that, and even identify with that. This is what humility is all about. When we're preoccupied with ourselves, Our joy just depends on our own circumstances. Because it's all about me and what I have and what I'm going through. And so the moment I lose what I have, my joy is lost with it. But if my joy isn't just dependent on the fleeting circumstances of my life, my joy is fixed in God. And the blessings that He has given so many people around us, then I have... A stable source My source of joy is God's provisions and his love For humanity And it even extends beyond My own afflictions So humility is the secret To have this humble heart And when I truly have This heart Nothing can steal My joy away Nothing in this world will shake that So when we step outside of our own circumstances, we can always rejoice. This is what St. Isaac the Syrian says, In proportion to your humility, you're given patience in your afflictions. And in proportion to your patience, the burden of your afflictions is made lighter. And you'll find consolation. In proportion to your consolation, your love of God increases. And in proportion to your love, your joy in the Holy Spirit is magnified. So where does it all start? What's the very first phrase here? In proportion to your humility. All of that follows from your humility. In proportion to your humility, you have patience. You have faith in God. You experience consolations. And you experience His love. You taste His love. And that is what joy is all about. When we live with this fundamental principle that it's not all about me. This way of humility, our joy never fades. Jean-Pierre de Cassade says, The great and solid foundation of our spiritual life is to give ourselves to God and to put ourselves entirely in His hands. To forget ourselves so completely that we regard ourselves as sold and delivered. For God to do with us as He likes. In this way, our joy and happiness consist wholly in the good pleasure of God. Having laid this foundation, we have nothing else to do but to rejoice that God is God and surrender our lives so entirely to His good pleasure that we feel an equal satisfaction with whatever His will calls for. How beautiful is that? If we can only apply this, our lives would totally change. To consider ourselves entirely sold to God. At His disposal. I have no will of my own. To really walk through life with this humility so that no matter what happens in my life, I'm faithful in His will. I confide in His will. I forget about myself. And with that... I have the capacity to notice others because it's impossible to notice others when I'm consumed with myself. And when I'm consumed with myself, I will never truly live with joy. I live with anxiety because I worry about my life. I worry about tomorrow. I'm concerned about my image. I waste my energy seeking for society's validation. It's all about me and my image and my reputation and so on. That's not a way of peace and joy. That's a way of anxiety. That's a way of stress. Humility produces peace and produces true joy. So I'll just leave you with an example that really stuck with me since my years in grad school. Whenever we came to the end of our education in grad school, you know, there's this scary time when you have to take your board exam, right? And it's tough because like everything that you did for the last three, four years depend on this exam, right? So you're studying for hours and days and weeks and months just for this one single exam. It's all about this. It comes down to this. And so I remember a lot of us uh, scheduled to take the exam on the same day. And you know, we all took it and we felt like we got hit by a train as soon as we walked out. And, you know, we're all worried. It was probably like the most painful experience in the world just to wait to get your results back. But we're praying and waiting and praying and waiting. And we all get our results back like a week later, which felt like a year. <laughs> but finally, I see my score. Thank God I passed. All of my friends passed. Except for one person in our little group. And this person worked so hard. Like she was studying day and night. And I know she was devastated that she didn't pass. And you have to wait a long time for your next exam. And while your friends are celebrating their success, you're just depressed, right? And so uh, I was just thinking about what's going through her mind like how can you possibly think about anything else at that time but your own circumstances i mean mm-hmm. the only thing on our mind before the test was i want to prepare and study so that i can pass and then once we take the test the only thing on our mind is how did i do right i hope i passed i hope i succeeded it's all about my own efforts and and I, How well I did in this whole process And so What really struck me After this Whole experience is that When we went out To celebrate that night And we just went to have dinner And to just uh, finally relax I remember that This girl came out with us And she was just ecstatic For all of her friends as well like, I thought she was just going to be, like, at home depressed. I think mean, that's how I would have been, probably. But it just blew me away how this person wasn't just consumed in her own struggle. She actually went out to celebrate with us. So I noticed that to her, she wasn't just concerned about her circumstances alone. She saw beyond this little struggle and whether you call it a failure or not, it was definitely a cross to bear. And she saw beyond that and noticed her friend's joy and shared in that joy with her friends. And you could only do that when you have a heart of humility. Because when It's all about me. I don't care how well others did. I didn't do well. This sucks. I'm just going to be at home moping all day long. Right? And, you know, to some extent, we have to care for our own needs. I'm not saying that we just totally forget about that and, you know, as if that doesn't matter. But we have to walk through life with that sense of love. With that sense of humility so that it's not about my own success and failure. It's not about my own reputation. It's not about how well I did. But I see beyond myself and notice others. And I can really share in their joy. And when we live that way, life is actually pleasant. (laughs) Because I'm liberated. I'm not bound by my own pride. It's liberating. And this is the only way we could apply the words of Christ today. He says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Be of good cheer in the midst of the tribulation. And so the only way to do that is to look beyond your own tribulations, to, to see Christ and His victory, and to see the hope of God, to see the joy that others have in their life and to share with that, to really rejoice with those who rejoice. I pray that God truly gives us the heart of humility to look beyond our own life and to rejoice with others, to celebrate with others, and to glorify God. And to Him is due all glory forever.